Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Sandra Kushner. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Los Angeles, California. She's the founder of Meridian Counseling and Unify. She also hosts her own podcast, The Guiding Compass, which focuses on destigmatizing mental health. She has nine years of experience working in all types of settings, ranging from high-end treatment centers to Department of Mental Health agencies. The wide range of professional experience allowed her to understand the issues facing the industry and led her to start her own program as a way to create change in the field. Sandra practices from a psychodynamic approach, but incorporates CBT, mindfulness, spirituality, and coaching into therapy. Her unique perspective has led to specialization in working specifically with millennials, addiction, and individuals who work in the tech industry. Today, we focus on her work specifically with millennials and her treatment approach. Welcome, Sandra. Hello, welcome. Hi, how are you, Josephine? Good. So I've known you for a long while now, and I'm excited to have you on to talk more about, you have many, a few different specialties, but one of the specialties I wanted to talk about today was treatment of millennials, because I know that's a group that you see a lot of, and just kind of thoughts about how that might be different, the approaches to therapy could be different in terms of how you approach it versus kind of other age groups. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk about this because I think it's a topic that's going to be really important and important for not only clinicians, but also like academic programs and schools to kind of like address as well. The thing that I specialize in is millennials and addiction. And then I also work a lot with people in the tech industry. And what I've noticed in that particular population is the type of therapist that they need is very different than what we are taught in school that we should be like as clinicians. A big thing that I have noticed is that in that particular age group, I would say like 18 to like mid or late thirties, that there's a lot of loneliness and there's a lot of people kind of struggling to feel authentic in a lot of their relationships in their lives. So many people come in and say like, you know, I have a lot of friends around me, but I don't feel like I can really be myself or that I'm comfortable in my own skin around them and that I'm putting on this act or living in a way that doesn't align with my values. And when they're seeking out therapy, I notice that there's like a higher turnover in that population when they get a therapist that's just reflecting and validating their feelings instead of like offering them more authentic feedback or giving them some sort of information that they can really use to make changes in their life. A lot of that, in my opinion, stems from the fact that people are portraying perfect lives on social media and like wearing masks in certain ways in that kind of like generation. So what they're looking for in a therapist is a real person. Like they want to know like, a little bit more about you. They want to know your opinion on something. Like they want to know if you think about something differently than them instead of just like mirroring back or reflecting what they said and offering them empathy. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting to kind of observe that. And then uh, going back to school and like seeing what we're taught to act like and taught by our supervisors to do in session, like doesn't really hit home anymore with that 
aged population. Why is it different for this population? What do you think is the reason why there's this difference or a need to change the therapeutic approach for this age group? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like there's a few reasons. The first reason I would say is the social media thing. And that's probably the biggest reason is that people are portraying with this kind of like image of who they want the world to see them as versus who they really are. And we're being bombarded with that all the time, seeing like the highlight reels of people's lives or like projections of what they want to be seen as versus who they really are, what's really actually going on in their life. And so Brene Brown's research shows this, right? People are craving to be authentic. People are craving to be vulnerable, but the world that we live in today doesn't really allow us to do that in a way that is safe. Mm -hmm. And also social media has kind of created this dynamic where people don't feel comfortable having like vulnerable and direct conversations with people about their relationships. They can now hide behind a text message or a TikTok or a Snapchat or even behind like a Zoom meeting. They don't have to have these difficult or like meaningful, more vulnerable connections anymore in person. And the more that you avoid having those, the more uncomfortable and desensitized you become to them. And so to me, that's created this feeling of people like being lonely and disconnected, even if around them, they have a lot of relationships. They're not always like having meaningful connections in those relationships. And maybe not knowing how to actually develop those meaningful interactions, or it's hard for them to really navigate relationships. And as a result, they just don't feel very deep, possibly. Exactly. And it's interesting because depending on the age of the client, like kids that grew up with social media always being there now, they don't even really know like the life that existed before technology and like these type of social networks and having relationships with people online became a thing. People who like grew up in the 90s and like 80s, they would experience this massive transition, right? Where they used to have like playful childhood interactions and like they weren't always on their phone and didn't have MySpace or Facebook or any of those things. And then around adolescence, like middle school, high school, like MSN Messenger and MySpace was introduced. And all of a sudden, it's almost like their childhood was abruptly changed from being like playful and like interactive and like mindful to running home and getting on MSN Messenger to talk to their friends instead of like getting their bike and riding it with their friends. Mm -hmm. So that generation actually experienced like a really big loss by losing, they know what it feels like to have these genuine interactions. But then all of a sudden, there's this point where technology just kind of took over and took them away from that. Right. And there's actually research that shows that the most unhappy person in a group of 100 people back in the 90s is now your average level of happiness today. And that directly correlates to the rise of social media. That also correlates to increased reports of loneliness, which are directly tied to mental health issues as well. So it makes me think, I wonder, so you talk about this age group, 18 to late 30s. What about the younger people, right? So our children, adolescents, who, I guess I wonder what I'm asking is, is there hope? (laughs) Because maybe there's a little bit more education about social media. How do you view that? Hmm. So they don't know a world without it. And I've actually seen that the 
middle school, high school aged clients that I've interacted with and work with, they actually are more vulnerable and real on their social medias. Mm -hmm. So like if they're going through something, let's say they're being bullied at school or they're in a fight with their friend, like they will post that like on their social media or talk about it on Snapchat, but they won't talk about it with the friend directly versus I would say a little bit older, like 18 to like 30s. They more so project like this perfect image a little Mm -hmm. bit more. So, so it's a generational difference, really, in terms of how they interact with with social media. Yeah, exactly. And so what I'm trying to say with that is that the younger kids seem to find like some fulfillment and connection to their friends. It's almost like they're getting those needs met through social media and like they feel more connected to their friends in that space than they do maybe even in person, mm-hmm. right? Like if you see a 13-year-old they're often really like resistant to giving up their phone to their parents or putting it down because like, that's how they're like interacting and having these relationships with their friends. I also think there's, I don't know how to explain it, but I think there's some sort of shift that happened where the younger generation is for some reason, valuing being a little bit more transparent when they're going through issues and they're just more open. Like they're more open to like being, gay or being of color. And like, there's not as much kind of like stigma around those things or mental health anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're just, you know, generally more liberal versus a little bit older. There's just still kind of a divide there because those things weren't as talked about Mm -hmm. before. Interesting. So I'm curious to get into a little bit. So your approach to treatment with this age group, I know that's a very broad question, but you want to take a stab at it. Yeah, for sure. So my approach in particular with this age group is to be like real with them. So I don't like use self-disclosure in a way to, I guess, like make it about me. But I think that a lot of people feel isolated and lonely in their experience right now. And so like as a therapist to be like, I'm not perfect. I'm not this blank slate. Like I felt that way too for a lot of people is really powerful, especially if they see you as someone that's like successful or in a power position as a clinician, right? They probably project a lot of like, well, you wouldn't understand me, you know, because it seems like you have your life together from all these external things, but being able to be like, no, I, I know what that feels like to be bullied. It's really painful and it's hard and it transcends into your adult world. Like for a lot of people, just hearing that another person has gone through that is really powerful and having that interaction in person versus like reading about it on Reddit or something like that provides a really important corrective healing experience. And Brene Brown talks about this in her research that being vulnerable and having that empathy of like me too, like the human experience and how powerful it is, is what is shown to really help people feel better. But what we're taught still as clinicians in school, a lot of times is to not do that, right? To like, don't say anything about yourself, like remain a blank slate, deflect all questions. And for me, like that has never worked with actually building a genuine, strong therapeutic relationship with clients. So I'm pretty authentic to answer your question. And I also do a lot of like education. 
I explain attachment styles pretty in-depthly. I explain why we talk about childhood and why it's important to talk about childhood. I also try to help people identify like in ways that they're not in alignment with their values. Because a lot of people in our generation, you'll see they're suffering because they're living in a way that they think they should be living instead of what they actually value and care about to uphold an image. Hmm. And so I will challenge them to look at, hey, is there some cognitive dissonance going on there? Do you actually value freedom and like growth? And are you now in a career where you don't have any freedom and you feel stagnant because it has, it pays you a lot of money? And is that leading to you suffering? And are you doing this career because you really want it? Or are you doing it to like, you know, show everyone that you're successful? So a lot of values work. And then the next layer that I think is important is incorporating and working through spiritual issues. Because as this generation with technology and more information, a lot more people are less religious. Mm -hmm. And religion used to be a really important thing for people to get through difficult times in their life, right? Like having faith in something bigger, having a purpose, trusting that things will work out by higher power. And as people have become less religious, they found like their purpose and meaning and like the job that they do or other things or like don't have any purpose and meaning. And so I incorporate a little bit of a spiritual approach from a Buddhist philosophy where I ask them to understand and explore what their purpose is, you know, why certain people came into their life, even if those relationships were like painful and maybe even toxic how that relationship maybe helps them become a better version of themselves and make different meaning of it from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when people have that kind of like aha moment or make that connection, it really allows them to have more freedom to live into their values more. The education piece helps them understand why they're doing the things that they do. And then, yeah, the authenticity piece just like I think when you're authentic, it invites other people to be more authentic too. So, I mean, I, that was an excellent description. <laughs> you did a good, good, great job. And I kind of get a good sense of kind of how, how you approach people. I guess the other question is you're kind of talking about as you help someone develop insight into kind of their values and all these things. But I guess I have one question is what are kind of the typical reasons why people go into therapy? They may not have that insight yet but there's something else maybe that brought them into therapy or I guess what are typical reasons that people first come into therapy stating as the reason why they're there? Yeah. So they'll usually come in and like identify it with like either relationships, like dating and like struggling to find a partner in like LA dating's obviously a huge thing that has changed for my generation and people don't feel safe in relationships anymore because they're so disposable. People you know, can swipe left and right. And it just feels like there's always the next best thing out there. So a lot of people are coming in just fearful that they won't find like a partner. A lot of people come in for stress and burnout around work because people are now finding purpose in their jobs more than they are in like spirituality. A lot of people spend more time than ever before working. And because work is now mostly remote, it's easy to like not have a boundary with it. And so they don't even realize that they're working like 80 hour weeks and like not having fun and not doing their hobbies. And like, they're just burned out and stressed out. So that's another big reason. 
And then community, like a lot of people just come in and they're like, I just feel super alone. Like I haven't found good friends. I haven't found my people and I'm really struggling and it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me. And then I go on social media and I see that everyone has all these friends and is having all these adventures and like, they're great. And so it's hard not to feel that there's a problem with you. So a lot of social anxiety as well. I see. Interesting. And I think the case with most therapy, you come in for one reason, but you kind of uncover much deeper reasons, maybe why you were feeling that distress to begin with and a bigger meaning behind that. Mm-hmm. So your goals, what are your stated goals and what are your goals versus maybe the individual's goals for therapy? I'm assuming they're pretty similar. I mean, kind of just more self-understanding, more authenticity and meaning in relationships. I guess those are just kind of the things that you're hoping for with your clients. Yeah. I think, you know, one of my companies is called Unify. And I think a big thing that we need to work towards as mental health professionals is helping our clients find authentic connections and helping more people connect in general, um, mm-hmm. more disconnected than ever before, despite the fact that we have the ability to talk to someone in a second, if we want to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the only way you can really connect to your community or find the right people in your personal life is if you're functioning as the highest version of yourself first And so my goal with clients is always to help direct them into figuring out who that is and what that version of themselves looks like and to make changes, you know, make big decisions that might be difficult that bring them more towards their highest self. Interesting. You want to tell us a little bit more about the group if the listeners interested in learning more about it? Yeah, for sure. So I started um, a group practice called Meridian Counseling. We are in network with most major insurance plans. We work a lot with people in like the tech industry, a lot of people in entertainment and millennials. We also see some teenagers. Occasionally we'll get older adults. But the reason I chose to take insurance is because that age group doesn't have enough money to pay two, $300 for private practice therapist. And there just isn't enough providers that were able to take insurance and offer like a good quality service that actually like connected to that population. So for me, it was most important rather than making a lot of money, like being able to take insurance has opened the door for so many more people to get the help that they need and allows me to work with the population that I'm really passionate about and love to work with. So yeah, I started Meridian. We take insurance and we are just trying to bring mental health to the masses. Like we're trying to hire as many clinicians as possible and give them a good experience so that they stay with us long-term. And then also connect our clients to people that are really vetted and really strong in the work that they do so that the middle class can get the needs that they have met for mental health services. Sounds like good work to be doing. It's crazy to just see how many clients reach out and say that they've tried to reach like five different therapists and everyone's full or like they're no longer taking insurance and they just feel really hopeless and don't know who to go to for help that they can afford and use their benefits for. And with student loans and the high cost of living in cities, like it's just not accessible to a lot of people unless you're like going to a department of mental health agency where you have to 
kind of be on a social program or if you're really wealthy. And so there's this huge gap of people that like aren't able to access care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make sure that your information about your group and the work that you do is on the episode description. So if the listener wants to learn a little bit more about you, they know how to get there. Before we say goodbye, is there any, anything else you feel like you want to tell the listener? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just important if you have someone that's a millennial or Gen Zer in your life to kind of step back and think about some of the struggles that they might be going through that maybe you're not aware of if you grew up in a different generation. Like the world has changed so much so quickly and there's a lot more stress and a lot more expenses and dating's changed. People are getting married later. And so I think if you have someone in that kind of age range in your life and maybe you struggle understanding why they're doing something that they're doing or like get frustrated with them, it's important maybe to just realize that there's probably lots of layers to what they're going through that are not just internal to them, but also external to the world that we're trying to exist in right now. And to just be mindful of that and have empathy and patience. I love those. Those are good parting words. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate your time. And I I mean, I, I've always known you to do great clinical work and I, I just was honored to be able to spend some time with you to learn even more about what you do. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm so honored that you asked me to yeah. be a guest. Yeah. All right. Well, take care. Yeah. Take care. Bye. This has been Mind Stories with remote appointments in California and offices in downtown LA, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, Echo Park, and Santa Barbara. Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.